0: Join me in a prayer. Heavenly Father, we just sang a truth. And just like David marched out and um, defeated Goliath, battle by by single champion, their strongest against our strongest. And when David went out there and he took care of him because you're with him. And Jesus, today in the resurrection we celebrate, I mean, that championship was impressive. What David did was impressive. He killed Goliath, he cut his head off. And the evil was defeated that day, but it, that was a, that was a small laser beam pointing to the greatest victory that we've ever, ever seen. He, he has never won time lost a battle. We're talking about Jesus Christ. I pray that right now for these next few minutes, Lord, would you help me glorify him? Would you give me a measure of your Holy Spirit so that my words are filled with glory, not mine, his. We're here for him. I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. You can be seated. Man, it's great. It's great to see so many of you here today. I don't know if there's parking problems or whatnot, but this is terrific. It was easy for me. I didn't have any parking problems. It was great. Yeah. Okay, we have, um, we've got some baptizing to do in just a minute, and it's going to be terrific. But what I want to do right now is focus us on the truth. Because, I mean, certainly we should, we should praise Him on the tambourine and the electric guitar and the bass guitar, and with move, we should praise Him with the lights. We should take everything that we have, and we should give Him all of our praises. But what we ought to make sure that we're doing is not just getting caught up in a wave of a moment, but that we're worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. Right now, I want to invite us, we're going to worship Him in truth. Uh, 1953 in October, World Series. Uh, Game three, I think. Uh, And the New York Yankees were at Wrigley Field playing the Chicago Cubs. One very famous New York Yankee that year, his name was Babe Ruth. Anybody heard of him? (laughs) Babe Ruth was up to bat. And this was was back in the day when the uh, umpires um, did not interfere so much with kind of manly trash talking. And so the Chicago Cubs, out of their dugout, what was coming on Babe Ruth was, you know, you didn't want the kiddos to be around and hear that, that's for sure. So Babe Ruth comes out to bat. The you know the players in, in the Cubs dugout and all the fans are just railing at him. He takes strike one. Oh, and they're giving it to him. Then uh, then he takes strike two and they start giving it to him even more. He takes two fingers. Lou Gehrig confirms this story. He points to the flagpole in center field. Pitcher made a big mistake, threw him a curveball. What did he do with that curveball? He put it 490 yards from home plate at the flagpole in center field. Let me ask you a question. What would you say to all the guys in the Cubs dugout if you had pointed to the home run that you were going to hit and then put the ball right there? What would you do? I know what I would do. Babe Ruth rounds first base and he starts making gestures to the guys in the Cubs dugout on his way from second to third, gives him the old, you know, hey, get back off me. It's, it's fame that when he rounded third and came home, he thumbed his nose right at the guys. Can you imagine that? I mean Babe Ruth, like from here to here, looking at the guys in the Cubs' dugout. I mean, how manly would you feel, you know, to call your own shot, right? You know what Easter is, right? Jesus called a shot. He told everybody, three days. 3 days. I'll tear it, I'll obliterate the temple in 3 days and I will rebuild it in 3 days and he was talking about himself. He was teaching and he said the only sign that these unbelieving people are going to get is the sign of Jonah. Exactly the way Jonah was in the belly of the whale for 3 days and 3 nights, the son of man will be in the belly of earth for 3 days and 3 nights and everybody waited those 3 days. The religious leaders were so concerned about what would happen during those three days that they went to Pontius Pilate and asked Pontius Pilate to set men uh, guards at the tomb to make sure that the disciples didn't come, that there weren't any shenanigans where they could pretend to take the body away, and then pretend that Jesus Christ had raised from the dead. They wanted to make sure that that did not happen. Pontius Pilate had enough of their mess. And so he said, you guys have temple guards of your own. You guard the temple yourself. And so they did. They posted guards at the tomb. Three days, three nights, and everybody was waiting. On that final morning, what the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees wanted so badly to happen was to be able to open up the tomb and point to everybody. Look at his body right there. You remember all the promises that he made? You remember all the things that he said he was going to do? He said he was going to raise, and clearly he did not look at him right there. And you know who they wanted to do that to? They wanted to bring Mary Magdalene right over the tomb and say, look at him in there. He was a liar. They wanted to bring Matthew, they wanted to bring John, they wanted to bring Peter, they wanted to bring everybody whose life had been turned around by Jesus Christ and point right at the tomb and say, everything that he said was a lie. That's what they wanted so badly to do, and yet what happened? What happened is in Matthew chapter 28, I'm going to ask that you take out your copy of God's Word, and that we stand to our feet out of honor to the great King whom resurrection we celebrate today. Matthew chapter 28, I'm going to start at verse 1. and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Would you join me in prayer? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you open up our hearts and our minds so that the words of truth right here that we would believe it, that we would have faith. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You can have a seat. The Apostle Paul said it real plain. If it was not an angel who descended from the heavens and with a great earthquake, Roll that stone away. He did not roll the stone away so that Jesus could get out. By the time the dawn came, Jesus was already gone. Don't forget, remember Jesus liked to get out before it was early, while the sun, before the sun was up while it was still dark? He did the same thing on his resurrection day. The angel didn't roll back the stone to let Jesus out. Jesus did not need angelic help to do what he needed to do. He's the king, you know. The stone got rolled away so that Mary and all the human people who were coming to look at the tomb could look in there and see. He is not there. Do you believe that? Do you believe in an angelic creature whose spirit does not have physical material existence? Do you believe that he came out of heaven, rolled that stone away? Do you believe that? See, at the end of the day, if Jesus did not rise from the dead. We are to be pitied above everybody else, and the reason why is because we've placed all of our faith and all of our hope and all of our trust, we believed. And boy, my goal at, uh, at the end of you know, about ten more minutes or so is that every single person walking out of here believes even more. If Jesus called his own shot three days and three nights, and after those three days and three nights, he was resurrected then it means that we got to believe everything else that he said. Now, when Jesus said three days and three nights, he called this the sign of Jonah. Because we know from the, from the book of Jonah, uh, Jonah disobeyed God. God gave him a command. He went the other way. Big consequences. He got thrown overboard. He got swallowed by a big fish. Now, I want you to know, you can— If if today you could go to many major evangelical seminaries in the United States of America, and what those theological professors would tell you is that the book of Jonah is not really true. Everybody knows that that can't happen. And I just want to say, an angel came out of the sky and sat on the stone. Jesus Christ rose back from the dead. Jesus Christ himself is the one who said the sign of Jonah is going to happen. Three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. My best understanding of what happened to Jonah, Jonah got swallowed by the fish, and in that fish he died. And with his body dead in the, uh, in the fish, Jonah chapter 2 says he prayed. And he prayed from a place that he called Sheol. Now, we, we should not be fuzzy about these kind of things because way too much is on the line over these past couple years. And in your own life, many of you and I have said goodbye to people that we loved. We said goodbye to their bodies. We live in a secular culture that would want to convince us that we are not anything more than our bodies. And you and I both know that's not true. I have a close friend, and right now she has a disease. And what's happening to her body is she's losing more and more control of her body so that a lot of her body does not work the way that it should. But I can look in her eyes, and I can hear her words, and I know that there is the same person who I know is in there, and she is as much who she is in there uh, as she has ever been even though her body's failing. Every single one of us have a critical decision to make. Are you more than your body? Scripture teaches that you are a spirit, that you have a part of you that will live on forever. And because Jesus took on a full human nature, he did too. When he died on the cross, his body died. His gallon and a half of blood was dead. His body got laid in the tomb dead. But just before that, and I promise if you were here Good Friday, I told you I was going to tell you about this. The very last thing that Jesus did before he died, his... He sent his spirit away. That's the way scripture describes it. He yielded his spirit. He sent his spirit away. Where did his spirit go? If you've lost a friend in this last year and put their body in a casket, where did their spirit go? See, what we're talking about it's not irrelevant stuff here. Now, the plain teaching of Scripture, what Jesus, when Jesus said three days and three nights in the belly of the earth, he certainly was talking about the fact that his body would be buried. But he was also talking about the, the spiritual location of where all the departed spirits went of every person that died before the resurrection. And where Scripture describes that, 66 times in the Bible it uses the word Sheol. Sheol is the place where the spirits of the dead go. And we know from the teaching of Scripture that there are two sides of Sheol. Everybody went to Sheol. All the unrighteous went to the dark part of Sheol, and the righteous went to a place of rest called Abraham's bosom. Jesus looked over at the thief on the cross and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. You know where paradise is. Paradise is the side of Sheol where the righteous spirits dwell. Now, we ought not be sloppy in thinking about this. Let's think about who's there. Where did the spirit of Abraham go when they buried him? The spirit of Joseph? Where where did the spirit of David go? The spirit of Moses? The Spirit of Elijah? The spirit of Samuel? Now, we know a little something about this because in David's life, um, King Saul was after David and he got uh, a—he employed the, the skills of a witch. And what she did is, uh, God did it, but through this whole event, Samuel's spirit came up, and the, the thing that Samuel said to Saul is, why have you disturbed my rest? Now the reason why this is important is because there were many, many people all through the Old Testament who put their trust in God. They looked at death and said, my body is going to get buried, but God's not going to abandon me to the grave. He's not going to let my spirit die down there. He's not going to leave me down there forever. Were they wrong to trust him? Was John the Baptist wrong to trust Jesus? So Jesus... Body goes into the grave, but he he sends his spirit away, and his spirit goes where all departed spirits go, down to Sheol, but not to the wicked side, to the righteous side. And in the righteous side, John tells us in the book of Revelation that Jesus Christ has the key of death and the key of Hades. Hades is the Greek word for Sheol. He took the keys of where all the departed spirits of all the Old Testament saints were, and what did he do? He opened the door. Remember, I told you if you were here at Good Friday, I was going to tell you, what in the world is this all about that on the day that Jesus was resurrected, other people's spirits came up and were rejoined to their bodies and went into Jerusalem and walked around? And I know what you're thinking right now. You're like, when is this sermon going to come out of Weirdville? Am I right? But here's what I'm telling you. You have a spirit. You are an eternal being, and I am very, 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 very concerned. The thing that weighs on my heart so heavy when I open this up is not if you know the 66 books of the Bible in order. That'd be nice. I'd be very proud of you if you did. You would get a pastor's gold star if you did. That'd be terrific. And my goal is not that you pronounce all the, all the uh, difficult to pronounce names and places in the Bible, although that would be a gold star too. My greatest concern is where you're going to spend eternity. Because it, whether you agree with me or not that you're an eternal being doesn't change the fact that you are. And it means that in Jesus teaching himself, he's the one who has the keys. He's the, one who will make the, he's the one who will judge between those who spend eternity with him and without him. And sometimes people think that the Old Testament is full of harsh things like Sheol and Hades and death and the grave and heaven and hell. But they think that Jesus is kind of like a hippie flower child who said, oh, we don't need to think about all that stuff. Let's just love each other and hold hands and sing around the campfire for all eternity. Everybody's welcome. And Jesus, in Revelation, he says, I I hold the keys, and every single one of us is going to face him. Jesus sent his spirit to go into Sheol to free and to bring all of his Old Testament saints, all of his believers, all the people who had counted and depended on him, because Jesus always fulfills his promises. And on, on the way up, when all those spirits were on their way up to the right hand of the Father, which is where the spirits of everybody on this side of the resurrection goes when we die, the Apostle Paul said he got taken up into heaven. On the way up there, some of the people who were recently passed, their spirits rejoined their bodies. They went into Jerusalem, talked with people that they knew. Here's what I'm saying. Young and old, what you believe about the resurrection, what you believe about Jesus Christ what you believe about facing him after you die, what you believe about how to be made right with God. Either Jesus meant what he said and came back from the dead and therefore you've got to square yourself with him or he lied and you should ignore everything in here. Only one of those is true. What do you believe? Because every single one of us we will come to death's doorway, we will. And either Jesus holds the keys or he doesn't. Either he will walk you through that doorway or he won't. Either Jesus is risen, and if you put your faith and trust in him, you have nothing to fear. Either that's true or it's not. Do you believe? Jesus pointed his two fingers at the flagpole in center field and said, you give me three days. And on that morning, Mary and the women and the disciples and hundreds of people later saw him walking around teaching and talking. Jesus Christ is risen. Not like he thought he might. Jesus Christ is risen just as he said that he would. Do you believe? Do you believe in him? All right, would you stand to your feet? Let me close in a prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray. Lord, you know that we live in a world where all of our most educated people try to totally convince us that there's nothing in the world but atoms and energy. And we know from your word it's not true. There is an eternal heaven, and there is an eternal place of torment. And those are the only two future options for people. And Lord, I pray right now for those of us that are Christians, would you help us? Help us to believe that the world that Jesus taught about, what he said in his word, this is the truth. Give us faith. Help us to believe. And Lord, for anybody who's here this morning and is like, whoa. Lord, I pray that deep down in their spirits, they would hear your voice calling them. And I pray that you'd give them the ability to open up and to have faith. To believe. To trust. And Lord, I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Now, in just a minute, we got a bunch of people who are going to get baptized, and basically what you're going to see people do over there is a little dramatic presentation of what they believe will happen to them. That should Christ not return, every single one of us, we, we will go down. There'll be a point where that's it. Our heart stops beating. That's it for our bodies but no Christian believes that that's the end because of Easter. We believe that because Jesus raised from the dead, so will we. Boy, and I pray that as this person comes up out of that water with the faith and the strength and worship that you and I have, let's worship.